You are listening to Radio Ramadan 365 Podcasts. Assalamu alaikum. My name is Sofia and I'm a law student. And welcome to our radio show called A Fresh Perspective on Current Affairs. We'll be discussing what's been going on in the world and how we feel about it as young Muslims in the society. You know, where do we fit in? What's our place? And joining me are some of my beautiful learned friends who will now introduce themselves. I'm Meher, I study politics, and I'll be offering up some of my opinions on the topics we have chosen. Uh, I'm Kulsum, I'm an English and Journalism student, and I'm excited to share my opinion too. I'm Hamna, and I'm a psychology student, and I'm here to listen to what my friends have to say, and I'm looking forward to contributing to the conversation. Enjoy the show! Today we're going to be talking about activism in the South Asian community and just generally among young Muslims, you know, I think we've um, obviously racial minorities have had a history in this country of trying to be invisible, of not, you know, walking out of line. And the question is, do you feel like things have changed? Is our generation finally able to stand up for ourselves and have we progressed? And that is a question. Um, but firstly, for a bit of history, a bit of context, um, of course, since empire and uh, since colonialism in India, there have been South Asians in Britain for about 400 years, if you think about it. And um, when we got here and ever since, especially in the early days of like the 1970s, when there was another boom of immigration, um, there was definitely a fear in that initial generation of, um, you know, stepping out of line, of challenging the system, and there was always a fear of, you know, deportation at the end of the day. <laughs> and there was definitely a yes, sir kind of culture. We were, you know, maybe to some extent idolizing the British as well, and didn't want to. They didn't want to jeopardize their futures. You know, the futures of their children. Didn't want to sacrifice all the, um, the sacrifices, essentially, that they'd made. And ultimately, I think there was a, a first change in the tides in, 1970, in the 1970s. And there's actually a really interesting story um, from the 70s about a teenager uh, who was actually murdered. Mm. Uh, his name was uh, Gurdeep Singh Jagger. And he was an 18-year-old who actually was murdered by a group of fascists in um, in South Hall in, in London. And apparently witnesses nearby the scene who asked, they, you know, they saw this kind of, this crime scene. And when they asked police officers what happened, um, this one notable police officer said, you know, it's just Indian blood kind of thing. Oh, that is, wow. Yeah. And in response to this incident, obviously... People were really affected by this because he was so young. He was only 18 and he was a student, you know, his whole life ahead of him. And so there was uproar, you know, people surrounded police stations. They made speeches and actually 5,000 men and women, Asians, Afro-Caribbeans, a really beautiful mix of people came together to protest this. And this was a start of something called the Asian Youth Movement. And it then started in Birmingham in Manchester and Sheffield. Um, but yeah, what do you guys think of that? Have you heard this story before? No. Never. Right. I had never heard of this before. Just mm. that it's only Indian blood. Right. Wow. That's mm. that's a very interesting thing for that person to have said. But honestly, like, it's believable. 
you know it's just that yeah. I'm, I'm i'm surprised but like you know you know not shocked or anything yeah yeah exactly it's what you expect because it's it feels like it could have happened today mm-hmm. is a really weird moment yeah, as well that's of, true. It's like yeah you told me that it happened last week I'd yeah like, well yeah, yeah. Exactly. And, you know, the 70s was, I mean, I don't want to scare some of our older listeners, but I don't know, (laughs) 53 years ago. (laughs) Um, So, of course, things were were pretty bad then. I guess Mm. people were just, were new there. Um, But I think an interesting point about this is the fact that it's a lot of young people, specifically. And I think there was actually something, basically I got all of this from a really interesting article that was explaining, you know, the story because it's not really taught, you know, like we've Mm. not really, you know, heard about these kind of strong brown voices. Yeah. And I think an interesting element of this was that it was young people who had basically grown up here and something they said was, you know, we're not going to be going back to the homeland and this is our place now. And Mm -hmm. so a sense of not just doing what our parents did um, and actually standing up for themselves. Because mm-hmm. yeah. this is our homeland. As yeah. young people yeah. who were born here, we have as yeah. much of a right here as anybody else who was exactly. born here. Exactly, yeah. But do you guys feel that you see in the older generations um, a reluctance to stand up? Mm. I think, like you said, it's it's a mix between fear and gratitude as well, in like a mm. weird, twisted way. Mm. Like we talked about in one of the previous episodes, it's like the they brought us trains thing. Um, mm. yeah. And I think it's that same colonial mindset of, yeah, well, the definitely. British brought us a lot and they, you know, helped our economy develop, even though that's, you know, yeah. not life. Not um, exactly. Yeah. But I think that was also a coping mechanism for a lot of older people and people who lived mm. through, you know, colonial times is it was their way of feeling a little bit better about what was happening to them. Yeah. Um, and that mindset was passed on yeah. to their children. Exactly. And even now, like, they may not be fully settled, but they have a place to live. Mm. And mm. I think that kind of means that... Oh, they're not to really... I've lost my point. Mm-hmm. I'm no, falling asleep. But no, I think I, I, I know what you mean. Like, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're settled now, so why bring it up and try to cause trouble when, you know, yeah. things are okay? Yeah, like, exactly. Like that. Like, exactly. It's like, let's stay safe, kind of play the yeah, game yeah. safely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Say. And yeah. I guess when you say gratitude, I think also when they came here, even though, I mean, it's very well reported now that we asked them to come, you know? Mm-hmm. And when I say them, I mean us, I mean them, you know? <laughs> we mean <laughs> um, the UK. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like we were asked and I think, you know, it's like almost like because, um, post partition and post colonialism, Mm -hmm. India and Pakistan were so poor that we exploited their poverty, you know, by getting people to come here. And then when they got here, we exploited their labor essentially. And yeah, just the fact that people were brainwashed to thinking they were really lucky to be here. Yeah. And a sense of gratitude for the opportunities this place brought, you know? Just another way of the British keeping Mm -hmm. us, you know? subdued yeah yeah. i think even with as you're saying you know the older generation not wanting to say stuff i think that also comes back to like the language barriers because if you don't speak english as your first language you you're not as confident in sort of calling people out Uh and the thing is the way people in the uk deal with accents in general as soon as they hear an accent the way that you're treated is so wildly different like even Mm -hmm. at the doctor surgery even now Mm -hmm. or you know I had a friend tell me that at university, you know, she was she was uh, talking to some of the outreach people and, you know, showing her documents and everything. And they were speaking really slowly and saying, do you have... She's doing her degree in English literature and comparative <laughs> literature. 
she knows how she she knows how to speak English probably better than you do. Yeah. Let's be real yeah. here. And but people assume that when they look at a person of color, that mm-hmm. they won't be able to stand up for themselves. And I think for the older generation, that was an actual issue, and it really. Mm-hmm. Um, was something that affected them quite a lot. Definitely. definitely another way to like minimize what a person of color is saying as well when they have an accent, because a lot of the time then that becomes the focus rather than the point that they are actually making. Yeah, and that's mm. also just like a woman's issue as well as you know, mm. a woman is making a point but she stumbles yeah. over her. It's words like the person or, who's saying it is more important than the yeah, words that they're yeah. saying. Yeah, she's just like muttering or you know, yeah. you know, uses filler words like mm. like. Yeah. Um, yeah. That point is no longer as valid, whereas mm. you know men can say whatever they want and it's fine but actually that's really interesting with language barriers as well where if you because this is a weird perception i had when i was like really young and if you're obviously hearing someone speaking in an urdu accent Mm -hmm. and they're speaking english obviously they're not going to be as articulate as articulate um (laughs) but then there's a weird thing of not really thinking they're as intelligent in a a weird way Mm -hmm. even though if they were speaking in their own tongue obviously they have the same ideas and the same capacity to think and have really innovative views and yeah but just because they don't they're not in their prime in that moment you know same as just even like conversationally people think that they're not you know funny or witty and they're speaking in a whole nother language yeah of course they're not having the same you know involvement in the conversation but that doesn't mean that they're not you know exactly Uh, that just reminds me of a point of the there was this hollywood actress and i think that she's colombian Mm -hmm. and i think that people do take the mick out of her accent a lot i think that's something that people find funny or whatever but i think one of her whole things was like you don't know how smart i am in spanish do you know where it's like we don't know how smart people are in Urdu or yeah. Punjabi or whatever these people can say really really deep intellectual things mm-hmm. in their own languages that we wouldn't even come close exactly. but because and the thing is the fact that they're even speaking English they're already miles ahead of you anyway because they can speak a full language yeah, on their exactly. own they just have an accent in their added language you know yeah. they're able to articulate what they're saying and mm-hmm. that's interesting that we view that in a certain way exactly but I think what this shows though is that people who came here at the beginning, you know, the, the first generation who came, it's like, if they can't articulate themselves properly, they're sacrificing part of their identity, you know, part of their self-actualization. Mm. And the isolation that must have come with that, mm. I feel like, I don't think that ever changed, you know? I think they almost accepted that they, you know, they ex- sacrificed themselves for their children. Mm. And I think they... I think a lot of people knew that they were never going to be happy, which is a really yeah. interesting thing, you know? Like, they knew that their life was always just going to be hard, yeah. mm. but they did it for this abstract sense of, like, my grandchildren. Yeah. 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 Which is a really beautiful thing, you know? Yeah. It's almost selfless in a way to think about it. They're doing this for the next generations that are passing down. Sometimes mm. I think we maybe forget that. Yeah. But then also it comes with, like, the consequences of having to go through that time period and the trauma passing down from that. Mm-hmm. and it's very convoluted and there's so many things going on but yeah. yeah definitely but yeah like I feel like with that trauma passing down I think one of those things is probably this habit of just staying you know under the radar yeah under the radar yeah, like yeah. keep your own people stay under the radar exactly just you know minimize yourself don't you know be too loud don't laugh too loud in public mm-hmm. all these things um mm-hmm. and just anything to avoid drawing attention to yourself really I yeah. feel like yeah. that's so ingrained yeah mm. and a weird sense of you know not disrupting this place yeah as if it's you know we're outsiders yeah. who are yeah. coming and we shouldn't like stir the pot too much yeah. do you guys still feel that do you think I think there's a slight almost I think when you're thinking about your own safety where you think if that's I true. do something here um or if I'm perceived as doing yeah. something wrong yeah. 
I could be very unsafe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something with, could actually happen. Yeah, definitely. like activism. Obviously, that's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's like you want to say something because yeah. it's something you stand up for, something you believe in. But at the same time, it's like I'm putting myself at personal risk mm-hmm. by yeah. speaking out about something. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, another interesting thing from this kind of this story, an interesting lesson, um, was actually the fact that um, so this community that campaigned was actually a really beautiful mix of Sikhs, Hindus, Muslims and it was like just, I mean it was quite male at the time because mm. um, you know brown girls keep in the, <laughs> stay in the house um, <laughs> but you know it was the fact that it was very cross-religious mm. I feel like is really interesting because then it mentions how in response to this, because it was quite a powerful collective um, the British government started doing things like dividing different ethnic categories oh. for like for example benefits government funding they were calling it like Punjabi Gujarati oh, really? yeah. yeah and like it's almost like even here they're dividing and conquering mm. kind of I was just going to say that mirrors yeah. exactly what they did back then when they were exactly. making up political groups so. yeah, yeah. Um, but I was just wondering do you guys feel like there is a collective brown identity or do you still feel like we're quite separated I think unfortunately I still feel like we're quite separated, you mm-hmm. know, especially because we have quite a strong, you know, Muslim community, but I can't speak for any of the other South Asian communities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even yeah. in Glasgow, it's yeah. like, I, I don't feel as if I have any access there. Yeah. I don't know. Even that. like with the Sikh community, like, yeah. I mean, being Punjabi, you know, we've got a lot of mm-hmm. stuff that is the same as them, but I don't feel like that's a community. Like, I have massive respect and I could, you know, find uh, things that we could agree on and, and probably get on with really well, but... Yeah. um yeah. It's unfortunately something that we're, as you said, I think the dividing and conquering <laughs> might have worked, you know, and it's sad because it's like, where do we go from here? How do we repair that? And it is difficult when mm-hmm. there's not a lot, many places where you can do that even. Definitely. I mean, I guess I definitely relate to that divide. I think even things like Muslims obviously can't integrate quite as easily um, when it comes to like, you know, going to the pub or whatever. <laughs> um, but I feel like there have been moments though where I meet like a fellow British Asian who yeah. is Sikh or Hindu and I mean, first of all, biryani unites mm, us all. Bri- obviously biryani. A bridge that closes all gaps. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I think there's a collective experience that we've all had, mm-hmm. um, even when it comes to things like racism, like discrimination, and seeing everyone's seen their grandparents in the same position. Mm-hmm. And it's like, they're not really, you know, Gujarati or Punjabi anymore. It's like, you just become brown in yeah. the face yeah. of yeah. these white people who yeah. just... Have categorized you. Yeah. Yeah. Even like mm. we talked about on our courses, you know, you kind of walk into that lecture looking for any other person of yeah, color. Yeah. It doesn't really matter what. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I think it is in those moments of almost being outside of your comfort zone that you actually learn a lot about yourself. Where you're having to put yourself in that situation where the, the only other person of color is the person that you're going to talk to and, you know, mm-hmm. extend an arm to. And that is sometimes helpful because if we're only surrounded by our own, it's like, you know, existing in echo chambers mm-hmm. where it's just that you're only hearing the same thoughts and the same opinions mm-hmm. and the same things over and over again. And you're not actually, you know, enhancing your own mind and mm-hmm. uh, broadening your own horizons. Definitely. and Yeah, just because you're a person of colour doesn't mean that you're above learning about other cultures yeah, and, you know, yeah, opening exactly. your ears up to other things. Yeah. I mean, as British citizens as well, we do have that dichotomy of being a person of colour in a very diverse 
mm-hmm. country, very diverse environment. Mm-hmm. And I think that's definitely something that we should kind of just move towards and, yeah. you know. Definitely. I think in a weird way we are, um, although we're so rooted in, you know, oppressing other cultures, <laughs> you know, I think especially somewhere like London, mm-hmm. it's kind of a beautiful gem of so many different cultures coming yeah, together yeah, yeah. and actually yeah. being quite harmonious. Yeah, I think yeah. British culture is now isn't what it used to be. Now mm. it is just a cesspit. Cesspit, cesspit, like diversity. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's not a cesspit, that's the wrong word then. A melting pot? A melting pot. Like melting a pot a yeah, that's what I think. Cesspit. Separate them out. But no, yeah, we're a nice boiling pot of, um, or melting pot yeah. of diversity. We're, we're a nice pot. <laughs> we're a nice pot. <laughs> so true. And I think w- when it comes to activism, I think that is a really valuable thing that we can all yeah. come together because we have shared issues, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And actually, going on to, like, another example, which I, I was reading about, it's really interesting, is um, kind of the place of women in these activism groups as well mm-hmm. and brown women yeah. um, because it's almost like, you know, classic intersectionality. We're an oppressed people within an oppressed people. Mm-hmm. And there's, um, I think, there, there's a, a group that campaigns a lot against honor-based violence and forced marriage like very kind of uh, big issues in our community Mm -hmm. but there was actually uh, in 2012 I think um, a series of attacks on these women and um, I think for example this woman called Shaista Gohir she's Mm -hmm. like a a really big activist um, brown woman you know (laughs) and I think she got a lot of death threats even and yeah and this one tweet um, actually reads uh, you cannot be a Sunni Muslim. I feel sorry for your husband and children with a wife and a mother like you. Oh you are corrupting other women. Your throat should be slashed. Whoa. That's so really far, interesting man. because yeah. that's coming from within the community. That's not a white person saying, I want to slash your throat. Mm. That's another brown person saying, yeah. watch out. And that's the thing you're saying about echo chambers and stuff. It's just yeah. back and forth. So, so like that you said, oppressed minority within a minority. Yeah. 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 And the fact that, exactly, that we are trying to campaign for our issues, but then... Yeah, within the inside. So do you think, yeah. would you guys say that brown women in general, our voices are suppressed within our communities? I think yeah. it's interesting because I know a lot of women are comfortable being in the position they are and that's absolutely fine as well. Mm-hmm. But um, that doesn't disregard the fact that there is a lot of issues when, within the South Asian community when mm-hmm. it comes to abuse and stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, which is definitely shoved under the rug a wee bit. Because... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some people justify it in ways that it shouldn't be justified and stuff like that. Yeah, um, they often use like religion to justify it. And, yeah, exactly. Which is really um, but I think at the end of the day, we should, like, I feel like there isn't a voice, and I don't know if that's because people are being shoved away from it or mm-hmm. genuinely because people are too scared just to come up and stuff and talk mm-hmm. about it. But exactly. I think it's something that like, should definitely be talked about a lot more actively. Definitely. Because I think there's definitely a narrative in the South Asian community about women being quite demure and mm. quite submissive mm. and, yeah. you know, mm. and not really shouting out. So even mm. if we as a community have become more vocal, it's like, where is that, you know, female voice? And, um, yeah, do you mm. guys... Not even the females as well. Get the guys on board. Try. No, definitely. Exactly. Yeah. Right. I think, I mean, we're definitely getting a lot better in that sense with a brown first minister. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> newly elected um but yeah do you guys sense that even like within your own kind of circles that you're kind of expected to just kind of stay in line oh definitely i think there's a different set of rules for 
young or just brown men in general because you can it's not even just an age thing when you look at brown men who are older who are fathers you know or even grandfathers Mm. and then you're looking at their wives or their daughters there's a very clear separation of how they deal with their sons and how they deal with their daughters Mm. and that is quite interesting because some things when a son does them are completely okay or or it's easier to brush under the rug so it's a bad thing, right? But mm. it's easier to just go, oh, he's a boy. Yeah. But then I think with girls, it's like, oh, you are the honour of our family. Mm-hmm. And you know what? This you, Our honour rests on you as an individual. <laughs> and just keep in mind yeah. because of that. And it's, it's not even if you're... It will sometimes be the most simplest things that you know you're wanting to, I mean, be an activist or go out and protest or whatever. And that's something that you're stopped from doing because you're a brown woman. I think like reputation is such a big deal to a lot of people in these communities as well. It's like, what will other people say? What will other people think? Mm. Rather than the actual issue at hand, they're more worried about what the others in the community will think, which I think Mm. is, it comes from being worried of being othered and tabooed within that community already. Exactly. I think for me, it's definitely more of a societal thing as opposed to like a familiar thing because I was my twin brother I've been brought with a twin brother my entire life so mm. in terms of family we've been very equal mm. in what we've been given how we've been treated there wasn't like that gender difference wasn't massive mm. but when society comes in and kind of changes your behaviors and your thoughts I feel like that definitely is like one of the pressing differences yeah and mm. you know the voice I have and the voice he has is interesting yeah. yeah yeah so true i think it's sometimes it's not even direct you know it's just observations like you know around eid you'll see all the women in the kitchen whereas the men yeah. are in a different room maybe not <laughs> mm-hmm. and i think this is something that we do need to start talking about because why mm-hmm. are the women you know or even in yeah. ramadan why is it that the women are you know in the kitchen preparing yeah. the, the iftar yeah. for the whole family yeah. and then washing the dishes afterwards as well yeah. and like you said you can... i think people try hide behind like religion for that there is nothing islamically that says that that should be the case yeah. Yeah. absolutely not especially when the woman has fasted as well that's yeah. what really yeah. breaks yeah. my heart like i remember seeing a situation where someone was you know a woman was told to serve her husband first when oh. it's just like but i'm starving too you know yeah. it's yeah. it's horrific yeah. Um, he can feed himself yeah he's I, more than capable of <laughs> yeah, exactly and then if you're coming back to the activism in that it's it's sort of assumed that you have more of a role at home to yes, do than yeah. to go out and fight for what you uh-huh. need to fight for and i think that's so not in line with our islamic tradition because i mean we know that the first woman to have opened a university in the modern sense was a muslim woman yeah do you know so our, there's very much a place for us outside uh-huh and yeah. even like the you know the prophet's first wife mm-hmm. um khadija Mm-hmm. yeah um you know she was a businesswoman she yeah. was a very vocal person in her community you know yeah, whereas exactly. i feel like in our community what sometimes happens is if we're vocal it's like the man representing everyone mm-hmm. you know yeah. and going out and speaking yeah. about i feel like there's a, there's a weird fear that comes in a woman being her own person yeah mm-hmm. and i don't know where that fear stems from but it exists <laughs> yeah. I, I guess like the idea that they're an extension of their family you know mm-hmm. that they, yeah. their identity is um, solely linked to their children, yeah. and by all means, yeah. that's uh, uh, like acceptable for lots of people. It's really like it's a sweet thing. Yeah, it's exactly. just the way of life for some people. But every woman is different as well, and every woman has different, you know, priorities, etc. Like definitely, it definitely. depends on the person. It's an individual mm. difference. It's mm. not really like because yeah. our our culture is very collectivist in that sense. That like everyone kind of should be going through this same kind of path yeah. or whatever. That's a really interesting element of it, actually, is like social order. 
you know yeah. collectivism has this element of you know even if i'm suffering a bit it's because you know if it's i for if the i sick of everybody exactly yeah. the greater good if i endure yeah. uh, at least things will just be kept in order and as you say um as has been mentioned like lokakenge it's like yeah, a lot yeah. about the reputation of your family yeah. and mm-hmm. all of these things mm-hmm. um but i think you know this is a lot of negativity and i think mm-hmm. and i was just going to say i think one thing to say is that we're not saying that this is just a problem that's in the South Asian community because this is a problem across the board. This is a problem women in white everywhere. culture. For yeah. women everywhere. I think we're just speaking from the South Asian community because mm-hmm. we are South Asian. And if we are not going to highlight the problems we see for our yeah. own community, then yeah. whose problems are we going to highlight? Mm-hmm. Exactly. But it's not denying or negating that this exists everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just like it doubles down like because we're talking about women's voices and women of color's voices yeah exactly there's so many layers to this but i think what is beautiful is as a community in general mm. um against the kind of wider discrimination we face we've become so amazing advocating for ourselves and i think we just need i feel like we've even mentioned this before we need to encourage all tr- our children mm. definitely to go down those routes where they can very publicly put our message out there and stand up for ourselves because we are here to stay and yeah everyone should accept that but on that note uh thank you everyone so much for listening and uh thank you again to my beautiful guests for their amazing contributions and yeah tune in tomorrow for um another exciting discussion bye <laughs>